Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and this is the 185th episode of the Astrology Podcast. So I'm recording this today on Sunday, December 16th, 2018, starting at 2.54 p.m. in Denver, Colorado. And like I said, this is the 185th episode of the show. So joining me today is Lisa Ardere, Hi. Uh, who's a fan and listener of the show, who's mm-hmm. traveling through Denver. And we had a conversation yesterday at the coffee shop about this recent discussion that's been happening in the astrological community about why, I mean, the way it's being framed is what, like, why are more men not into astrology or why are more women into astrology than men? Mm-hmm. That- yeah, I think the the point that many of the authors are making is why why do straight men discount astrology more so than other populations? Right. Um, and I really liked the answer that you gave to that question as we were just like talking about different um, speculations that different people have about it, because this has actually been a discussion in the astrological community in one form or another for at least the last 10 years that I've been around. Um, so I thought it would make for a good discussion. It's kind of a difficult discussion because people have there's so many different perspectives on it, mm-hmm. and sometimes it can get kind of tense. But I thought we could try to talk about some of the different perspectives on it and maybe just explore the issue even if we don't come to like a definitive conclusion and like answer. Sure. There everything. are a lot of a lot of variables and factors that go into this thing that we're picking out as as a phenomenon. Um so right. I don't I don't think we're going to find one simple answer because I think there are a lot of things contributing to what's going on here. Yeah. And that's sometimes the difficult thing is sometimes people want there to be like a clear answer, like a singular answer to things, but sometimes things are complicated, especially when you get into difficult questions involving like, you know, gender and um, societies and like, you know, things relative to both of those two topics. Sure. I mean, I think in anything that you look at, I mean, you can't just look at a person's natal chart and say, oh, well, your son's in Scorpio, so this is why your life is like this. Yeah. So, and that's astrology in a nutshell is that things are actually complicated or more complicated right. than they seem at first. And that's one of the things I think that new students of astrology realize very quickly mm-hmm. once they get into the subject. So, of course, when it comes to a broader topic like this, it's going to be complicated as well. Um, okay, so let's start. Uh, maybe like, what's your background, or where are you from, and what's your background in astrology? Uh, I am originally from Oklahoma, currently mm-hmm. living on an island in the Puget Sound in Washington. Uh, I've been studying astrology for about three and a half years. Um, started off in more like modern psychological studies, and over the past year or so, have been studying. Traditional techniques, Hellenistic astrology. Okay, awesome. And you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I think, right? Yeah, like uh, in the last year and a half, probably. Okay, cool. I tried prior to that, but I needed to beef up my chops a little bit more before I could uh, really hang with the with the cool kids. Yeah, I think that's a common experience that I see in like the iTunes reviews that people find the podcast at first and just think it's like way over their heads and they can't deal with it. But sometimes eventually they come back once they're a little bit further in their studies and realize that there's, you know, more for them in the long term, even if it was a little hard to pick up in the short term. Sure. For me it was really um sort of inspiring to see that there's so much more to it than, you know, sun signs or look out for Mercury Mercury in retrograde. Right. Um, Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> right. Um but sort of, you know, it was a bit of an impetus for me to increase my skill level and learn more. And I've definitely benefited even from that like one time when I was like, uh, Chris is talking about 
Mercury being active in his chart, and I don't know what that means. And right. who's this Australian lady? <laughs> right. And who's this other guy that keeps talking about weird occult magical stuff? Right. Austin. Um, yeah. And then you made you were the famous author of the famous bingo card for the astrology podcast. I, I did do the bingo card. I did not expect it to uh, gain the the popularity to, that it did, but I'm delighted that people liked my joke. Yeah, uh, it definitely <laughs> resonated with a lot of people. There's a lot of things that we do way too commonly. So now we're all very a little paranoid about repeating any of those on the forecast episodes. Well, I really hope that it, it came across uh, that I was doing it in good humor yeah, yeah. Um, and not as a sort of like a subtle jibe. Sure. No, no, it was taken very well. So we're actually. I should get those printed up at some point, just for. I'd like to nice. expand them, and I'll send okay. you a a a, a, a refurbit a volume two. Okay. Of the astrology podcast monthly forecast um, bingo card. Yeah, I look forward to that. And people, you have a Twitter account. You're active on Twitter. Where? What's your handle there? My handle is at Lisa Arderay, okay. which is not the most intuitive thing to spell. So it's L-I-S-A-A-R-D-E-R-E. -E. Okay. Well, people can check that out because that's where you originally posted the bingo cards. So I'm True. sure we'll see version two there before too long. I expect you might. All right. So let's get into this topic. So it actually um, it started about a month ago, November 15th, 2018. There was an article published in Vice UK by um, a, a journalist named Hannah Ewens, and the title was—it was kind of like a weird title, but it's—it was titled "Why Straight Men Hate Astrology So Much." And what it was is she kind of went around and did interviews. It was—it was only with men where she did interviews, trying to um, partially get to—I mean, it's like a—it's like an inflammatory kind of clickbaity title, but mm -hmm. the underlying topic that she's trying to address is a question that actually has been one for probably a few dec decades in the astrological community, which is why does it seem that there's more women who are into astrology than men? And that's been a question that's sort of I I've heard astrology, I've heard professional astrologers talk about as like a legitimate just question and sort of discussion topic at different points um, in the community. Mm -hmm. um, and and different speculations are like put forward and this generated a ton of discussion last month. I felt like online, mm -hmm. um, some of it was good, some of it was kind of tense. Um, there was a great response by Samuel Reynolds, who wrote it for uh, AstroStyle.com, titled "Do Straight Men Really Hate Astrology?" Where he tried to sort of um, address the topic, but also a little bit like I don't know if he was trying to take them to task, but he was kind of trying to steer the discussion a little bit in a, a different direction, it almost seemed like? Or how would you characterize his response? Uh, I really liked his response. It seemed like he wanted to maybe come at it from more of a perspective of, let's look at what's actually going on here instead of just attributing this to a gender and sexuality as a whole and just saying that well that's just the way straight men are right sort of look at the the contributing variables there mm -hmm. um and i felt like he gave a pretty 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 balanced uh take uh, you know f according to his views um talked about how toxic mas masculinity plays in there and how you know um maybe straight men aren't into 
astrology or or maybe even like poetry as much anymore. But um, you know, they'll they'll put many down on a ball game, um, right? Which yeah. is another type of prediction. He was trying to s- say that they have other like kind of like fantasy to the extent if they were if they're characterizing astrology as fantasy, but then they have their own sort of. Um, things of that nature. Sure, he listed off some other ones that were like video games or other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you know went on to make further points about how, um, you know, he gets it if the astrology that maybe these straight men are coming across is like poor practice astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, not to not to put down anyone's practice, but to say that there's only one de- delineation. For like an aspect of sinistry, and to say, well, that means like his he's got Mercury conjunct Neptune, so he's a liar or something like that. Um, you know, right? If that's your only experience with astrology, and somebody's saying that about you, and then deciding not to go on another date with you, that might be kind of a turn off. Yeah, and I mean that's probably even more advanced than what most people are encountering in their first pass at astrology or their sure. initial like even understanding. Um, so, I mean, part of this discussion, I guess, the initial starting point should maybe even be, you know, do we accept the basic premise of the argument that there are, generally speaking, more women who are into astrology than men? Because sometimes that, you know, I, I try not to take it for granted always that even the premise of what we're talking about is necessarily true. Mm-hmm. But do you think, you know, is that true? I mean, do you personally see that as? Something that's true based on your observations, or or would you question that premise? Um, it's it's a premise that I would question, basically because the question itself assumes that there are, you know, two genders, and you know uh, that men think and believe this way, and women think and believe this way, and I think that there's a lot more nuance. Um, I think that gender is very nuanced, sexuality is very nuanced, and a lot of this has a lot more to do with the ways that we're socialized, um, the people that we're exposed to throughout the courses of our lives, um, than, you know, like what a person's gender identity is. Sure. So yeah, so that's one major critique that you you might make right from the start is that it just um sets it up with only two Genders being identified, and then asks people, "Do you believe, quote unquote, believe in astrology?" Is usually, I think, the way a lot of those polls are phrased when they try to like um, quantify, quote unquote, belief in astrology in society. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, there's a sort of issue there right away in terms of people that don't necessarily fit into that traditional or like binary gender norms mm-hmm. in terms of being one objection. Right. Okay. Um, and in addition, astrologers commonly often question or object to even the phrasing of how some of the polls are done when people try to quantify belief in astrology by asking people, do you believe in astrology? And, and one of the issues with that is a lot of astrologers might object to that out of hand and say, I don't believe in it. It's just something that I think exists or that I've observed exists in the world. Certainly, and and where is the line between belief and non-belief? Like, do you believe in astrology if you check your sun sky sun sign horoscope in the newspaper every other month, or right. or do you need to like know more about astrology to believe in it or not? Or is it actually a thing that you even believe in rather than 
a set of principles that you're practicing. Right. Or or there's like another category of I know of some um religious people or some um Christians who believe that astrology is a phenomenon that exists sort of abstractly in the world, but that it's evil or that it's like the work of the devil or something like that. Definitely. So that's a whole category of you wonder how do they respond to like a question like that? Or do they say no? Or do they say, um, yes, that I do believe in astrology, or do I believe that astrology exists? So there's often questions like that that come up when people try to do polls like that just to quantify mm-hmm. belief in astrology in general. Mm-hmm. And there, there are people who who might be interested in learning more about astrology, like feeling, figuring out how they feel about it, but they feel that the topic is too controversial right. um, for them to really be interested in getting into it. Because, like, what's the point of figuring out if you believe something if everybody's going to start a fight with you about it? Right. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, all that being said, one of the interesting things that the original Vice article did do that I thought was useful in the way she was trying to frame or at least set up the discussion is she did cite some polls. Like, for example, she cited a 2005 Gallup UK poll that said just over twice as many women in the UK, quote unquote, believed in astrology compared to men. And then she said it was 30% compared to 14% of men of a data pool of 1,000. 10 people. And then she said a 2017 study by Pew Research Center found that 20% of adult men in the US believed in astrology compared to 30, 37% of women. So, at least according to those two polls and, you know, attempting to quantify belief in astrology in society over the course of the past decade, you know, despite even those objections to the accuracies of those polls and some of the potential issues with them, it does otherwise seem to indicate that there's about twice as many women theoretically in society that might believe in astrology as some sort of phenomenon compared to half as many men potentially. Mm-hmm. So that might still be a useful sort of starting point in terms of like some objective piece of data. And then just circling back around, I mean, I do, you know, when I look at the astrological community and, and part of the reason. Uh, that this often comes up as a discussion topic is it does seem like there are more female astrology enthusiasts and uh, th- that are into astrology compared to men just when I, I walk into people sort of in the community in general or when I look online in places like Twitter and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when I see polls like that, that doesn't necessarily surprise me or that kind of fits what I would otherwise expect all other sort of objections aside. Is that the case for you as well or how do you feel about that? Um, my experience with it has has been I definitely find uh, more open interest in astrology from people who don't identify as cis men. Um, and and when you use that term, could you just explain it for anybody that doesn't isn't familiar with it? Okay, so um cis is just the concept that you identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. Okay. Um so a a man who has male on his birth certificate and feels like a man um might be less likely to openly express interest in astrology or might be more inclined to uh openly disbelieve or disparage astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if I'm having a private conversation with someone, I, I wouldn't say that that necessarily holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I would, I would, I would be curious to see, you know, if I, if I could, you know, like be a fly on the wall in each of the rooms of these people as they're taking this, this quiz, is this a quiz made up of people who are like, oh, this says, do I believe in astrology? Right. Sure, I do. Or no, I don't. And I'm going to tell them about it. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I see a general trend toward people at least being more interested in astrology. Mm-hmm. Um, people of all genders. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I've been surprised over the past year and really excited to see that there is definitely like growing interest in astrology and that's something especially among younger people it seems like in their their teens and 20s it seems like there's a whole new generation of people coming into the field and that's both you know all, all genders or men and women seem to be becoming more interested in it in the younger generations and that was something i was initially kind of skeptical about but then mm-hmm. uh, a year ago cuz i wasn't sure if it was just like a media thing or if it was just a yeah, I, I just wasn't sure because I thought there was like mixed signals about different things. But over the course of the past year, I'm definitely have done. It's really shifted my perspective, and I've seen much more people talking about astrology in a way that I didn't even a few years ago, and definitely ten years ago when I was in that age group. Um, I didn't see as many people talking about astrology. It's definitely more a part of the cultural consciousness than it was ten years ago whether people believe in it or not. Sure. Um, and I think because there's a lot of information available, like a lot more, there's a lot more internet than there was 10 years ago. Right. Um, well, and that was one of the questions was, I wasn't sure if it was just that it was more visible because we could see people talking and, and talking about their hobbies and their more like idle thoughts through things like Twitter, where whereas like 10 years ago, you didn't necessarily have that. And if it was just more Visible, something was always always there, or if it was actually growing in popularity in some like quantifiable sense. I think that that's less likely to be the case than the fact that because things do travel so quickly through the the internet, that astrology has become more of like a cultural meme, right? Um, that that people are engaging with much more frequently than they were ten years ago. Um, and because there's more exposure to it, people are able to um, either keep or change their opinions. You know, if you're if you're not exposed to a concept, there's not really an opportunity for you to make up your mind about it. Right. Yeah. And it definitely one of the other big changes that I've noticed is um, ten years ago, you know, everybody would know their their sun sign, their basic zodiac sign, but now. Through the availability of like chart calculators like astro.com and cafe astrology and stuff, like a lot more people know not just their sun sign, but also their rising sign and often their moon sign as well. Like the mm-hmm. concept of like the big three has become much more ubiquitous than I feel like it was 10 years ago. And that's that was a really surprising development that I wasn't anticipating. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so in terms of this, the the premise of this though. So before we can go on, because I thought I kind of thought we were um, sort of on the same page about at least the perception that it seemed like there was more women that were into astrology, and it was more of a question about like why that is. But you sound a little bit more skeptical about whether that's actually genuinely the case. Uh, I I think that I would generally agree with you that more non cis men are interested in astrology than. Cis men are interested in astrology. Um, 
you know, with with the caveats that I raised, mm. you know, like I have questions about the poll and sort of like the cultural perspective. Um, and I do think that things are shifting, but like in this snapshot in time, I do generally agree with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, that has been, I mean, I feel it, I feel like most astrologers sort of recognize that with many of the caveats that you, that you say mm-hmm. that we've talked about, but there's still most of the discussion then ends up being just why is that or why would that be? And so different speculations are put forward. I mean, one of them that people talk about pretty commonly is just the sort of cultural conditioning and the sort of marketing of astrology where it tends to be oftentimes marketed to it seems like to women more through things like um you know magazines or through fashion magazines mm-hmm. or other things like that whereas there's sort of a com- cultural component to it at this t- point in time that might be a little bit more geared towards women that could you know lead to that as sort of a byproduct of that rather than it being something that's like for some reason naturally or or inherently supposed to be that way yeah what do you what do you think about that um i definitely agree on that point like people who consume media that's marketed at women um are far more likely to come across um not just like astrology or like a horoscope or something like that but Mm -hmm. you know like storytelling and imagery and um sort of like more spiritualist um concepts Mm -hmm. whereas i think that we're not really in a time culturally speaking um where that's really allowed for for men sure yeah, like more, let's say, like health and beauty type magazines or other types of media oftentimes tend to be marketed more towards women. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you'll see horoscope columns or other things like that in in those publications. Right. I, I, I didn't look at a lot of magazines before I came. I feel like I've seen a men's magazine with a horoscope column in it before, but mm. definitely like on the last page and very small. Sure. Yeah. Um, or yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a more recent example. So for example, like um, Broadly, for example, which is Vice's um, sort of women's sort of issues section of mm-hmm. their media sort of empire that they've been creating over the past few years. It has a very active like astrology section, Definitely. for example, um, which I, has been great. I, I believe they just put on a conference recently. Yeah. yeah, Annabelle Gatt, which is their her, their head astrologer, put on a, a conference in New York just I think last weekend. Um, so that's sort of an example. And and that whole project seems to be going really well and seems to be really vibrant and mm-hmm. is sort of like a good example of the vibrance of a vibrancy of astrology at this time. But again, that's something that's that seems like it's because it's happening within the context of broadly that it is being marketed partially more to women, even though it's certainly not restricted to that. And, and mm-hmm. there's plenty of men that follow Annabelle's co- column and love it. So it's not that it's always sort of restricted in that way, but there's something certainly about the marketing where I don't know why that is necessarily, but it's being geared more towards women in some instances than than men, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And so that might have sort of a weird sort of feedback loop in the way that it continues to perpetuate that sort of um, distinction a little bit. 
Um, but even beyond that, there's other questions. I mean, the question that often comes up, that's the first question that usually comes up in these discussions in the astrological community is people ask, you know, is there some inherent reason why women would be more interested in astrology or that astrology would appeal more to women than to men? And is that why we're seeing this disparity? So some people try to say, is there something inherent about it instead of it just being a purely cultural phenomenon at this point in time in our current culture due to whatever? Is there some other factor that is like the reason why I mean, some people try to frame it like women being more susceptible or men being less susceptible to, you know, usually skeptics will say like susceptible to belief in astrology because they see it as a negative thing or as mm -hmm. like a shortcoming or something in society. Sure. Um, I don't think that that really holds up. Um, I mean, if you look back historically, all of the like ancient and, and traditional astrologers and authors of astrological texts they're they're men right so i don't think it's it's something like different in the brains of men versus the brains of women um yeah. that's that's not really uh something that i ascribe to <laughs> yeah i mean and that's the funny thing historically if you go back more than a century and i talked about this in episode um 86 of the astrology podcast mm -hmm. where if you go back more than 100 years, it's like because of the way that, that culture was prior to modern times when uh, men and women didn't receive the same education, most of the pretty much virtually all of the astrological texts that we have from prior to the modern period and or prior to the early modern period and all the astrologers we know from certain eras like for the first thousand years of astrology are all men where we don't even know the names of, of female astrologers or have any texts that survive that were written by women, mm -hmm. as far as we know. And so that's an interesting inversion then in modern times. And that just sort of leads to a deepening question about it why it is so different now, where it would have been something largely practiced by men up until the modern period. And then suddenly we have this interesting reversal potentially that's happening, at least in our society. Well, I think there's a, a long-standing um, phenomenon of devaluing um, things that are for women, um, like going on back possibly all the way. So, as you're saying, like the um, the education wasn't available to women mm -hmm. um, in prior centuries, so astrology wasn't a women's thing. But once we reach like the 60s and 70s, um, and we're having more like women practicing and writing about astrology um it's it's possible that that could have just like once it permeated the the cultural consciousness as a um a thing that women can do well now it's a women's thing and it's not for everybody else mm -hmm. um sort of like you know how there's maybe a, a bit of a stigma around um, men who do more more feminized nurturing roles for work um, today. Right. Like I'm trying to think. I saw some chefs actually discussing this on Twitter. I don't know how I came across this, but they were discussing like cooking, for example, being a supposedly traditionally like feminine thing. Mm -hmm. But then in the actual cooking profession, when it came to chefs, that it, it tended to be more dominated by 
men until recently. Mm-hmm. So there, there was this weird inversion in terms of the, the gender roles when it came to that as a general phenomenon versus a profession, which is kind of an interesting thing. Right. And I mean, you, you have to zoom all the way out and, and have a whole conversation about like the power dynamics right. that are, are playing out on, on all layers uh, of the way that we interact with each other in small scale, like in the home versus all the way up to, you know, big time, very important people doing jobs. Yeah. And, and like climbing the, whatever the corporate ladder is in, in terms of different work environments and the advantages that, that men are given in that versus those that women have, mm-hmm. or, or the, the sometimes obstacles that women run into with certain things, like even like pregnancy and maternity leave and stuff like that, and, and not, not being afforded, you know, uh, freedom or, or be, being given sort of rights in terms of that until somewhat more recently, or working on it. I mean, not really even now. <laughs> many many arguments could be could be made in sure. that in that direction. That, yeah, that there's perhaps a long way to go um, for before we reach any sort of justice about you know like. Uh, work and like public life, uh, and how that's not really um, made easy for for people who choose to bear and nurture children. Sure. Um, right. Um, yeah. And that I mean that sort of brings up a related topic, which is actually more was more commonly like ten years ago in the astrological community was part of the context that I would see it brought up in in professional circles was sometimes. Um, there would be more um, women attending astrology conferences, and there would be a clear tendency for more women to be like clients of astrologers or consult with astrologers, just from professionals' like anecdotal, you know, standpoint. But then when you'd go to a conference, sometimes you would see more men speaking at conferences, or uh, some of the men tended to be more. Not well known or or like leading. I don't want to say or necessarily go that direction, but there was definitely a perception I felt like that was especially more dominant ten years ago, and has changed a little bit because mm-hmm. people have been making deliberate efforts to to balance it out. But where there tended to be more men in like speaking positions or leadership roles, it seemed like in the astrological community ten years ago, which was I saw as a almost like reflection of or similar to the thing. That I saw those those professional chefs mentioning, and I wondered if it was somehow connected to some of the same dynamics. I I believe that argument could be made. Sure, um, you know, like say two people are interested in astrology and want to know more about it, and and one of them has you know like five hours a week of free time, and the other one has an hour a month of free time. Mm-hmm. If the if the person with an hour and a month manages to get to an astrologer for a consult, that's a big win for them. Whereas sure. whereas the person with five hours per week uh, free time who's interested in astrology could, you know, study books and um, you know go to a conference and 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 learn a lot more and eventually become a professional who's respected in the community and attain speaking positions. Right. I mean, even I mean, there's even other stuff. That I've heard discussed about um, the sort of social conditioning of men and women, and the um, having the feeling confident or feeling comfortable putting yourself out there and like doing something like 
saying, you know, give me that speaking position or I believe I should have that speaking position yes. versus being selected for it or, or not feeling comfortable, you know, being put in that position where you have to just like ask for it in that way or sort of be um not forceful, but I'm, I'm trying to think of the term, but that there might be some things surrounding just different social conditioning between men and women that might contribute to things like that as well in terms of the professional sphere and why we were seeing weird sort of byproducts like that in terms of um, things like conferences? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a, a person who's um, socialized to to be assertive and to ask for what they want and to push a little bit against boundaries that are, are set up um, in between them and their goal uh, is more likely to, you know, get a speaking position than a person who was socialized to uh, anticipate other people's needs and um, sort of uh, sh shrink their boundaries inward. Right. Yeah. Um, let's move this a little. Uh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. And there's so many like little things like that that, like we said earlier, I mean, just to reiterate the point, all like contribute across the board in a cumulative sense where it's not necessarily any one thing, but it's all of these these little things like that that probably add up to larger some of the larger disparities that that start seeming more evident. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there are more more factors than we've addressed here. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I mean even perhaps going beyond like gender socialization. Um you know, like we're we're living in a time where Sort of the 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 dogma of our age is is more of like a a scientism type of thing. So like people who would um, be dogmatically adhering to uh, a religion uh, in a different century are are now dogmatically adhering to what they believe to be um, science and rationality. Um, Right. Yeah, that was a that was a point that you made yesterday that I really liked where you pointed out that it might be similar to or connected to things like the division between like the STEM field versus the humanities when it comes to academia and some of the the divisions that you see there. Sure, yeah, I see a, a general devaluation of the humanities. Um you know, with um we live in a time where um growth and uh like Profit-mindedness and attaining new and newer and greater heights uh, is uh, far more valued than um, you know the ability to knit together disparate experiences into a story that will sort of encompass everyone mm -hmm. who's involved in it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point because I do see that as being a very stark thing with the rise of over the past few decades, not just um, sort of like scientific materialism and some of the things that grew out of the Enlightenment to a certain extent in the scientific revolution, but also, yeah, just the development and the popularization of like skepticism and scientific skepticism as. A sort of worldview, and mm -hmm. the way that you were framing it yesterday was really interesting because you were framing it more as like taking the place for some people of what, uh, like a, the the sort of authority that religion would confer in past ages. Yeah, um, and I want to be clear. I 
encourage and practice healthy skepticism. Right. Um, but what I'm talking about uh, in this in this instance is more of a, a belligerent skepticism, um, you know, and an inability to take in another point of view and process it, and then decide if you know you're going to change your view. Um, right. A lot well, of people who I hear arguing, you know, like that's not real. There's no science to to prove it. Would maybe not have their minds changed uh, if they saw a study on the fact because, you know, if I don't already believe it, then it can't be proven. Yeah. Well, I mean, ironically, that's the thing that I've been so surprised by and I've really wrestled with over the past 10 years is that there's a much more faith involved in the sort of dismissive type of skepticism that is more pervasive that you wouldn't expect because it's supposed to be rooted in science, which is supposed to be more process-oriented and sort of observational and not preliminary, but I'm trying to think of the word that's connected with that preliminary of like, you know, it is our current understanding unless other data becomes available at some point in the future, which counteracts the prevailing hypothesis. Right. So so science is a method of observation to predict what might happen in the future and sort of like control results going through like moving forward and you know like see what trajectory we should be on based on the evidence that we have. Mm -hmm. However, um in more like of the dogmatic scientism, the um until other data becomes available has sort of just completely been severed from yeah. the way that people think about it. Yeah, and instead it just becomes more of like this is the way that things are for sure, and we know this 100%, mm -hmm. and therefore this other like area of knowledge cannot be true because it contradicts what we think we know at the present time about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it does become a bit more dismissive, but so there, you know, I think the connection that you were previously making was that there's a tendency for people that are more into like the stem fields to adopt more of that type of ideology and more of that sort of quick dismissive sort of approach to skepticism which i think if it's also true which i think it's generally agreed on that there's a sort of gender disparity in the stem fields where there tends to be more men that go into stem and what what is that show for it's called science science technology engineering mathematics probably yeah um, so that there's more men that go into that. If there's more men adopting that form of dismissive scientific skepticism, where, and what I mean by that is the way I see it manifest when it comes to astrology is most of the time, almost every skeptic I've ever met knows very little about astrology, mm -hmm. and they just um, develop enough basic familiarity with it to they they've heard some. Theories, or they've heard some counter arguments against it that seem compelling just based on a, a shallow understanding of astrology. And they have just those like three or four basic sort of stock, what seem like reasonable objections to astrology and use those in order to dismiss it without necessarily knowing. That much about the actual subject, right? Right. Yeah, there are definitely the um, anti-astrology talking points, right? Like heliocentrism, yeah, and also oh. not every person in the population falls into one of twelve categories. Not everybody has the same day is usually how they. That's one of the ways they phrase it. It's right. like if my horoscope is correct, then 
every person, every, you know, all 12, there's going to be 12 different types of people that will all have the same day Mm -hmm. each day. Right. Yeah. So, but, but it's like, so that's a sort of dismissiveness, but it's like a sort of shallow dismissiveness to dismiss something without knowing much about it. And it's usually primarily directed towards sun sign astrology because that's about all a general person would know about astrology if they haven't taken any time to look into it further mm-hmm. is just the basic thing of like what you would see in a horoscope column or something like that and the basic premise that there's 12 signs they have certain qualities and there may be some predictive sort of ideas associated with that definitely yeah um or like it's mercury retrograde and my computer is working fine so yeah Take well, that, astrologers. Well, and that's interesting because that's a, such a more recent one. Like that, really was not a concept. I, I don't think that was like in the language ten years ago in like the public discourse, or maybe it just started to enter into it about ten years ago through astrologers starting to have more free, more more leverage or more ability to talk about things besides just the basic horoscope column and to start to integrate more. General astrological terminology into their language by partially by breaking out of just being restricted to doing newspaper horoscopes, and astrologers started writing columns online, and that gave them more freedom to start talking about other things that were going on. And so they started referencing other things that would happen frequently. And one of those, of course, is Mercury retrograde. Sure. So then it becomes sort of like a more common thing that enters into the public sort of discourse. Mm -hmm. But it's funny that 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 which I almost view as a more Advanced concept compared to just sun sign horoscopes has now become sort of the one of the cliche things that makes people's eyes roll sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. um, To to go back to like the the talking points thing, it's sort of more of a let's see. So in in conversations, primarily online, but certainly um, in person as well, they're not really conversations. Necessarily, it, mm. it's not an exchange of ideas. Is I guess what it, what um, I mean is more often I'll hear um, two people in the same room asserting separate points at each other. Sure. Um, in debates about astrology. Sure. Right. I mean, in other conversations as well, but that's what we're talking about right. here. Politics. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, if if a person who doesn't believe in astrology. Um, comes to the conversation and they've they've got their 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 anti astrology gun loaded with you know I'm not going to have the same day as you know my buddy who's also a Leo mm-hmm. um you know you can't you can't tell me otherwise right yeah um and you know I I think uh it definitely plays into like a like a tribalism type of thing hmm. um where it's like i'm of the smart people who don't believe in astrology and you're of the hooby dooby people who do believe in astrology right well when it, and then it goes further cuz then it usually go leans into the like i'm what's we're doing the good work and you're what's wrong in the world. Oh yeah, you're you're contributing to charlatanism and right. you're just trying to make a quick quick buck up off of people, mm-hmm. you know, or you're in league with Satan. Right. That's always fun. Um so but it, so I mean to go back and to circle back around, I mean that's 
and I haven't read into this much. I mean, I'm just generally aware that there is that gender issue in terms of STEM as a studies in academia versus um, the humanities. But you know, that then leads to one of my observations, which is just I always just got the impression that men, generally speaking, or cis men were more likely to reject astrology out of hand, only knowing very little about it. And to not ever move past that point, or that there was fewer men that would look past the basic facade of astrology of mm-hmm. the popular sun sign horoscope sort of general understanding and would look beyond it and find out that there was more to it or that it was more complicated than it might seem at first. And that that was kind of the barrier is that that barrier of entry was that it seemed like there was more men having a tendency to reject it, whereas for some reason, more women seemed like they would. Not immediately rejected out of hand, but that they would sometimes take the time to look beyond the initial thing to eventually find out that there is more to it, and then they would pass that threshold into the like full-fledged astrology category. And maybe it's connected with whatever you know is connected with that gender divide in terms of the STEM fields, or maybe I don't know. Um, so one point I do want to make about STEM is that it's it's not that it's just men going into STEM. Right. It, it's m- more men and, you know, like more cis men are, are making it through to successful positions in STEM. Okay. Um, there are, there are lots of, you know, um, like school children who, you know, are like little girls who are interested in science. Um, however, as they pro- progress through academia, they they are met with barriers that um, men aren't. Okay. Um, and so and that can stymie their growth in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and Samuel actually spoke to this in his um, sort of rebuttal that you know, like people who are not men are maybe a little more likely to run into a barrier and need to examine it to figure out how to get around it. Right. Whereas, you know, someone who hasn't run into a barrier like that, who, um, you know, has been on a straight trajectory the whole way through, if they come up against something that they don't believe in, there's no need to examine this. We can just barrel over it and continue on our trajectory. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that is a really interesting part of this. And I don't know if this is partially what you're saying or where you're going with that, but the idea that also in terms of having one's experiences like valued or devalued and if there was something about people in society that more commonly had their experiences devalued not immediately rejecting something that seems weird like astrology just because it seems weird or out of the ordinary versus those who haven't had that experience as much perhaps being quicker to just reject something out of hand i mean is that partially what you're saying cuz i know that's another part of this discussion that sometimes comes up Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that that can play into the whole like people who seek validation of their experiences versus people who don't feel that need or have that need sort of um, quashed earlier on in their lifetimes. Right, because I mean that leads to the other part of the observation that usually comes into and part of the the question that that astrologers sometimes discuss or try to answer is that it's not just. You know, um, cis men or cis women, but also there tend to, in terms of like um, the LGBTQ community, 
there tends to be m- more of them represented in in people that are into astrology in terms of the astrological community in some instances mm-hmm. it it seems like or at least sometimes that's that's the general observation and and the assumption sometimes it's made or sometimes i see people speculate that perhaps it's due to that phenomenon of you know having the, having one's sort of experience is not validated and therefore not being as quick to reject seemingly weird or things that are outside of the mainstream let's say as somebody that hasn't had that experience is sure i mean so so if we can think about astrology as a sort of like a a, a storytelling technology a, a series of archetypes um that you know all of which are played out in each person in one way or another um a person who comes up against um, archetypes within themselves that don't fit into maybe the um, more popularly ascribed archetypes that are allowed mm-hmm. for, like, you know, if you were born with this type of body, these are your tasks, and these are the ways that you're allowed to feel. And these are the jobs that you're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if that set of archetypes works for you, then you don't necessarily need to question that or see how other jobs, other tasks, other feelings um, can be a part of your experience. Whereas, you know, like if someone doesn't necessarily like feel like that gender or sexuality or um, set of allowed feelings really matches with what's going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, maybe there's maybe there's more to me than than what's allowed, and that's a whole process to even get there. Sure, but going through that process perhaps would. Um, you know, make a person more inclined to accept that there are a lot of different pieces of a human being, and they're all there, regardless of what the person look looks like or what you know, like socioeconomic status they were born into, or right any number of things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And and then one of the things that's changed in modern times that's also worth talking about in terms of this discussion. I don't know. What role it plays, but it's often commented how there's been a shift in 20th century astrology compared to earlier forms of astrology, where earlier forms tended to be more predictive. But then, starting in the early 20th century, there was a, a shift and there was a push to make astrology more um, focused on character analysis and, and psychological analysis, starting with people like Alan Leo that pushed it more towards character analysis, and then eventually. Through people like Dane Rudyard, and then later in like the 1970s and 80s, astrologers like Liz Green and, and Howard Sasportas and other psychological astrologers that are explicitly trying to reformulate astrology in a psychological context. And to the extent that modern astrology is more focused on character analysis and psychological analysis and, and psychological reflection, if there's something about that. And I, and I don't know what the answer is, but that's one of the speculations that's sometimes put forward because I'm trying to like recount all of the different speculations that I've heard over the years by different astrologers. One of them has been that 
the framing of modern astrology because it's more character based and psychologically based. There's something about if you are more, if women, there's a question that's sometimes asked about if women are inherently more geared towards psychological introspection and being somewhat more introspective, as well as caring more about how other people are feeling on some level or wanting to analyze or be introspective with respect to others. And if that's somehow connected with why psychological astrology or astrology as a character analysis or a psychological tool would be more appealing to women in its present form versus what men perceive it to be in that context. Sure, I think that I think that that goes back to um, part of the socialization conversation um, earlier on. You know, mm-hmm. like how do I be nurturing? How do I look? How 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 do I make myself um, accommodating for a person? Leads to more introspection than this is what I, what I need to do to achieve this status. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see in the future as more um, ancient techniques become popularized. Um, if if there's maybe a few more men becoming interested in astrology, um, because like through the marketing machine, if you're able to say, look, basically, if you're going to look at someone's zodiacal releasing periods and say, you know, let me tell you when's a good time to do big things at your job or Mm. whatever, um, you know, like market it toward men, like here's how to, you know, here I can predict what's, when a good thing's going to happen for you or when an important thing is going to happen for you or something like that versus, you know, if you're not socialized to be interested in, in what's going on inside of like your emotions or to interpret what your thoughts mean, mm-hmm. um, to just take your thought your thoughts or emotions as things that need to be acted upon. Um, then introspection is maybe a little less compelling. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And that will be interesting in the coming decades with the revival of traditional astrology and, and growing interest in the more predictive forms of astrology, if that does have some effect and if that does cause any shifts or if that's even actually is like a relevant motivating factor. I mean, I've always I've always wondered because um, I've always been interested in astrology. I think on some level, and then especially once I discovered natal astrology, I was extremely interested in and decided to devote myself to it. But I never felt normal, and always did feel a little bit more introspective, and maybe having tendencies or not exhibiting tendencies that I noticed or like associated with other um, guys my age or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, especially when I was like in my twenties, and I was one of the not just the youngest astrologers, but I also tended to be like one of the few males in my age generation that was studying astrology. I wondered what did make me different or what set me apart from other um, men where fewer men were interested in the topic from just what I could see. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would be interested if that was a piece of it or if that did have any change and if some of what we're seeing now is just temporary based on Different societal or other factors that just relate to right now, and in like three or four decades, it's just like radically different. And this conversation itself becomes like an interesting like relic of this time time period in some way. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, in, I'm inclined to say that with greater access to information, you mm. know, more, more people are like experiencing validation regardless of gender online by finding people who they wouldn't necessarily find just like in their hometowns um, to sort of match up experiences and feelings about, um, you know, a lot of communities have, have sort of sprouted out of the internet. Um, right. A lot of movements have sprouted out of the internet. Um, and so I think that it'll be interesting to see whether the entrenchment and views and polarization of like bubbles on the internet um, wins out over, um, you know, the possibility that you can be exposed to so many different kinds of people and learn so many different things about yourself. And instead of like having this, this feeling inside of yourself, that's like eventually gets quashed down because, you know, you've got to go plow the field or whatever. You, you can sort of explore that more and um, associate with yourself with people who, who also feel the same way. Right. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an either or thing. We're going to see both of those things. So I, I think that this conversation will continue to be re relevant so long as power dynamics are relevant, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, and even just, you know, there's been some changes just in the past few decades where things like um, psychology or, or like seeing a therapist or other things like that have been destigmatized a little bit more, I feel like, than than they probably were a few decades ago. And so maybe things like that will also change or will open up some additional um, not venues, but just additional openings for something like astrology, which is often used as a sort of counseling tool in some ways. Mm -hmm. And certainly a lot of astrologers actually not just use it in that way, but sort of marketed it in that way in some ways. Definitely. And I think that that destigmatization and, you know, opening toward uh, more of these things is, is only going to be useful to people of all genders. You know, I, I certainly don't think that cis men are, are benefiting from not being al allowed to have emotions or express emotions other right. than other than anger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's different cultural things surrounding that that are changing. And then there's also Certainly in the past decade, things have been changing, involving, I mean, one area that we haven't gotten into much is just the sort of expanding discussions about gender and sort of a push towards, even within astrology, of sometimes rejecting just purely sort of binary labels um, and becoming more inclusive um, about, about things outside of that. Sure. I mean, it. it's, it's, not common for people to acknowledge that there are more than two genders and that many people aren't male or female, mm. lots and lots of people. Um, and, um, you know, we, we see that sometimes, um, you know, in conversations on Twitter about like people really struggling with the the gender assignments of planets mm. um, and and finding new ways to talk about that, you know, like active versus passive or diurnal versus nocturnal, things like that. Um, but I mean, like the fact is that these are, these are energies and labels that like the energies are present within all of us mm -hmm. to varying degrees. Um, the labels that we uh, 
are assigned are not always the labels that work for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that opening to that a bit more, um, sort of maybe dissolving those, those rigid boundaries a little bit, um, is helpful. You know, um, when a person doesn't, um, identify as an either or, but perhaps somewhere in between, or maybe not on that scale at all. Mm. If we allow for that in our language as, as astrologers, as people who are, you know, helping people make sense of their lives through this, you know, language that we're translating for them. Um, that's a, that's a service that a, a lot of people that I'm describing need, you know, like astrology should be for, for everyone, not just people who identify this way or that way. Yeah. And, and that's part of a, maybe a broader conversation that's outside of the scope of what we can fully get into today. But that's actually really interesting to me, that question, because there have been astrologers doing really great work in terms of trying to figure out how to take some of the traditional or contemporary or standard like astrological models and having some of those questions about like what's appropriate, what's not, what's inclusive versus what's not. And if people are are like running into or meeting an astrology that isn't inclusive enough for them or that that might sort of turn them away from it because of some of the assumptions that it's making about about things like gender. Mm-hmm. I mean, any lots of assumptions. There are lots and lots of assumptions along all things and i think that the the more that we can decenter um gender binaries um heterosexuality whiteness as the norm uh you know like higher socioeconomic status the 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 more that we can include and remember that there are people who don't fit into these categories um the better off we will all be sure yeah and that's definitely a process I've been seeing the astrological community move towards, but it's like some things change faster in some areas and like slower in other areas. And, and there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of work to be done. But um, part of it is just starting to have some of the discussions and just sort of like this one and just sometimes ask the question and try to talk through it and realize what assumptions we're making about different things and what assumptions other people are making and sometimes just exploring what the different answers are to some of these these things and then eventually maybe as a community that's starting to move things towards a different consensus in, in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there was any major points that we meant to touch on. Did you have anything in your notes? I know we we scribbled down like a few things really quickly before we did right. that. We weren't like super prepared because I was just actually so excited that when because we just like met up for what like an hour or two yesterday Something to like talk because we were passing through town and um, I sort of mentioned this as an episode I'd been thinking about doing, but I was a little nervous about it because it's such a complicated topic to get into, and I didn't necessarily. I'm you know I myself am trying to be better about. Um, but it's still a learning process of of like words that I use and, and the way that I talk about certain things. And it can be such a delicate topic that you don't necessarily want to accidentally like offend somebody or say something inappropriate, since the goal is really just genuinely to to talk about and ask questions and try to explore something. Mm-hmm. But I was so excited about some of the answers that you 
had in the way that you articulated some of it yesterday that I thought it would be great to have this discussion. I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance to. So Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for um, doing it on such short notice today. We just sort of <laughs> rushed to get it together for a certain electional chart. Right. But did you notice anything else in your notes that we hadn't um, touched on? No. I mean, I think the only little bullet point that I made that I feel like we sort of touched on a little bit more um, sort of in a roundabout way was that, you know, people who come to astrology for for help and guidance tend to be, you know, like not having the best day. Like they oh, yeah. tend to be in crisis. That's a good point. And, um, you know, people people outside the um, umbrella of financially secure white male may have more frequent crises than the alternative. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point in terms of like availability of astrology, but also what is the reason why somebody is consulting an astrologer. And that's definitely true that more clients, there's probably fewer clients that just like go to an astrologer as like a blow-off thing to do versus, you know, having a specific reason to go to an astrologer, having a specific issue that you want to discuss or that you'd like some insight or a different perspective on. Um, and and definitely having some major issue or some some crisis is is a pretty common motivating factor. Right. I I think that if a person feels like they have all the answers, they're not going to go looking for a different one. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And definitely makes more sense in terms of explaining than maybe some of that disparity or just like another additional data point that might move it. In a certain direction, when we're talking about some of those overall statistics, even if it's not the singular reason or something like that, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So, sure, like the whole like everything that we spoke to and more contributes to the fact that you know these crises happen more frequently for some people than others. Mm -hmm. uh, some people are taught that they have the answers, whereas other people are taught that they don't. Mm -hmm. um, you know. On down the line, and sure. it manifests sort of in in every aspect of life. So why wouldn't it also apply to to astrology? Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm trying to think if there are any other like common, not even ones that we would necessarily endorse, but just like ideas that are thrown out there by astrologers when they're trying to discuss this topic, um, including ones that are not necessarily like good. Ideas like I know some. I remember somebody like on Twitter when this was posted when this article came out a month ago said something to the effect that like, well, women have more of a connection with celestial cycles because they get their periods every month, and that roughly coincides with the cycle of the moon, and therefore they're more open towards being the idea at least that there can be celestial quote unquote influences or something. And I remember. A few people like really strongly rejecting this guy's. I may have been one of them. You may have been one of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, let's. Do you, do you want to expand on why? Sure. Um, did okay. I? Did I even? Let's first. Let's start off. Did I explain the premise of what he was saying or of that? Yeah, argument I think. Correctly? I think that this was not something that was um, presented as like a. Like a, it, wasn't a like a, it wasn't a denigrating thing. No, he, uh, he it was, was genuine. Just, yeah, mean. it was just um, maybe like a not fully thought out idea. Sure. Um, so there are lots of people who menstruate. Um, well, and, it's, and, and, not, and not all of them 
identify as women. Mm -hmm. Um, Menstrual cycles are based off of like hormones that come from the ovaries and the pituitary gland and infrequently correspond to lunar cycles. Right. And um, it doesn't, I, I don't, you know, like, I don't know a lot of people who are menstruating and saying, I am at one with the universe. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's just because it's tied in with the, like a lot of other things, like ideas of like celestial influence and if that's what astrology is based on. Mm-hmm. And there is actually a common argument that goes back, I think it goes back to Ptolemy or it's like a roundabout thing that goes back to Ptolemy where people sometimes that associate astrology with celestial influence, like astrologers or astrology enthusiasts, they'll adopt the argument of like, well, the moon coincides with the tides. And when the moon is in a certain state, that you'll have high tide and low tide. And therefore, by extension, it makes sense that the rest of the planets should also similarly influence us or have some influence on earthly events as well, which turns out not to actually be a very good argument because while the moon is very close to us and therefore has a major gravitational effect, like the other planets are so far away and gravity drops off dramatically mm-hmm. at different distances pretty rapidly so that other planets have relatively minimal gravitational impact on us and in addition to other stars and other things like that so that it's not actually a good scientific like physical explanatory mechanism for astrology. It almost seems like a spin-off of like an argument like that in, in some sense. Totally. Yeah. Sure. Um I mean, I'm sure that there are women who would disagree with my point. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but um, you know, like I'm, I don't think that I'm making the argument that this body that's close to us that has a measurable and definite effect upon the gravity of our planet has no effect upon humans. I just mm-hmm. don't think it has an effect upon only humans with a certain chromosomal alignment. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, is there anything to the idea that, like I'm trying to think of what, just the idea that that women who do experience that would have a regular recurring physical cycle of some sort and therefore might be open to the idea of other cycles in their life. Whereas I'm trying to think of if men that don't experience that, if they do have any similar experience of like cyclic Phenomenon. Certainly, they wouldn't. I can't think of any like physically necessarily, except for like mm-hmm. aging and getting older and some of those processes that are over a much longer period. I guess you have the annual cycle of like the seasons, which is something everybody experiences, and everybody experiences like their birthday from one solar return year to one Certainly, year. Certainly, and like sleep cycles. Oh yeah, sleep cycle. That's a really good one. Um, there are, there are people who who have. Uh, go through emotional cycles throughout the course of uh, a year or a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are lots and lots of cycles uh, experienced by people of all genders, um, and they come from lots of different things. You know, like if a person goes to the gym three times a week, this is this is also a cycle. Sure. Um, so for me, that that argument um, of women and the moon because of menstrual cycles just seems kind of not a thing. Sure. 
Yeah. Um, I, I just thought it would be worth discussing. Sure. I, I've definitely seen it like invoked before by different people. It's a it's a it's a pretty popular thing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like there are there are um groups of uh pagan adjacent people, I think, who 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 feel really strongly that that is that is real and that is a fine belief to have. I don't share it, but that's fine. Yeah, and, and you actually mentioned the word pagan, and that reminds me of an article somebody sent me a few days ago, and I forget, I wish I remembered where it was from, but it was, I think it was in the New York Times. It was like an op-ed piece talking about like paganism being on the rise as like an alternative to Christianity or towards more established forms of religion amongst like millennials and like the younger generations. And I think it was, I, I didn't read the whole article, but I think it was commenting on this thing that we saw really strongly over the past year while while Jupiter was going through Scorpio, which is one of the interesting side effects of that, that is like there was this weird like rise in interest in like magic and like mm -hmm. um sort of like a cult type. I don't want to say a cult because it's such a weird broad term that could mean so many different things, but just um certainly rise we certainly saw it in the astrological community, rise in interest in astrological magic was definitely a topic of conversation this year. Sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that hasn't astrology and magic have been disconnected for a really long time and we're just starting to knit those well we um members of uh those communities uh mm -hmm. members of both of those communities are just starting to see like a, a, a knitting together of that a little bit more which is you know really cool cuz they started off together. Sure. Um but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different perspectives and points of view and things that need to be examined with that. And um, you know, the this sort of plays in a little bit to the 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 argument of, you know, is astrology divination or causal? Right. Um I feel like we could talk for a thousand years about all of this and never really come to a a, a set answer. Right. The title was The Return of Paganism. Maybe the subtitle is like, maybe there actually is a genuinely post-Christian future for America by Ross Duthot, opinion columnist for the New York Times, December 12th, 2018. Um, but it was just interesting because I remember one of the comments on Twitter was about like, like quote unquote witches or witchcraft and other forms of like divination or occultism being like sidelined or being um practices that were somehow like on the fringes of society historically and then therefore this person was i think associating astrology with that in some ways to the extent that it's kind of on the fringes of society now and yeah in, in different communities similarly that have traditionally found themselves on the fringes of society perhaps being more open to those things versus sort of like established um, things being less open to that, I guess. Sure. If your access is barred to the traditional ways of doing things, people will find another way. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, um, I think that's it. We're at like 75 minutes. So that's usually what I shoot. Usually I shoot for like two hours and I have to okay. stop myself. But I think, <laughs> I think we've covered like everything that I, I'm trying to think because I hope I don't immediately after we stop like just remember some other major topic or like point of view that we left out i certainly mm -hmm. don't want this to be like 
the end of the discussion, but I was hoping that this would be like the beginning of, or not the beginning, obviously. But sure. I mean, we we definitely have have not mentioned every relevant um, factor at play here, right. uh, and you know, I feel like we could even do more looking at like the the question itself. But but I feel like for the purposes of this conversation. I mean, we covered all my bullet points that okay. I that I noted down in my in, your, in my notes app, like uh, fifteen minutes feverishly, fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> okay, when I was like, "There's, we've got an hour uh, before this rising sign changes. Let's mm-hmm. let's do this." Um, okay, well, thank you. I yeah, really definitely. appreciate it. Thanks for for joining me today. I think you're only like the second or third um, guest that I've had in the new studio. So thanks also for that. It's been fun. Yeah, now you've seen this is where the the magic and, and the, the, the <laughs> this bingo, is where the magic happens. Yeah, the bingo cards originate from this general area. Perfect. Yeah, this is where the astrological sausage gets made. <laughs> right. <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> um all right, cool. So, um once again, where can people find out there's your Twitter, do you have are you are you working on like a website or Yeah, I'm I'm working on a website. It'll be uh going live mid-January. It is Ardor astrology.com that's a r d o r astrology.com okay and i'll put a link to that and probably to your twitter twitter profile in the description page for this episode on the astrologypodcast.com thank you uh, and i'll make sure i link to that especially once your website is up so people can find out more information about you and your work mm-hmm. i definitely recommend it i definitely recommend um following you on Twitter because I really appreciate a lot of your posts and tweets there and stuff. I make a lot of jokes. Yeah, you make a lot of jokes, a lot of bingo cards, <laughs> and people have to stay tuned for for version two of the Astrology Podcast bingo card. Especially. Absolutely. Forthcoming. All right. Cool. Well, I guess that's it. So thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast. Uh, you can find out more information at theastrologypodcast.com, and I think that's it. So thanks for listening or watching, and we'll see you next time.